And I know like that the 13 piece set also nets us the best 12 month net dollars value. And really that's the approach we take with every single like acquisition offer that we roll out. I would say that understanding that 13 piece set from that angle has probably been the biggest unlock for our business. Welcome to Don't V Look Up. Uh, we are here with Connor Roland from uh, Hexclad. And Connor, just to get started, I'd love for you to answer the question of how you just got here today. What's your background and how did you get to the role that you're in today? Yeah, um, man, I got into internet marketing in college. Like a lot of, you know, it's a very entrepreneurial space, right? Cause like all you really need is a laptop and pretty much from there, like you can kind of get into internet marketing and marketing services. So I, I was just, you know, one of those those kids that thought it was super interesting. So I kind of got into like, you know, internet writing and like Facebook ads in college through some, some digital marketing internships I did and kind of just stumbled into it. And then really from there, I kind of self-taught myself Facebook ads in college. I kind of niched down with like a, you could call it, I wasn't thinking of it as like an agency at the time, but in retrospect, it was kind of like a small little agency. We were working with local um, tourism companies doing using paid media to drive conversions for them and get people to sign up for their they're like they're these local bike tours that you know you would pedal around on these like 14 person bikes and drink beer and act like an idiot um so i did that for a little bit and then you know i was doing that for like two three years and then i joined this agency called homestead studio they specialize in e-commerce growth marketing so that's really where i cut my teeth like deeper into e-com with all things paid media, creative offers, analytics, um, landing pages. We were also doing email SMS. So we really got a holistic like e-commerce growth marketing experience there, which in retrospect, I think was huge for me. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of agencies that are very, very niche. Like, Hey, we only do design for ads or we only do email SMS or we only do media buying. And I think having that more, um, you know, full service agency experience, like it, it gave me more of an omni-channel approach, which was really important. And then, um, yeah, after Homestead, I was there for two and a half, three years. I left and freelanced for a year, just did my own little one-man growth shop, doing kind of like fractional um, head of growth type work, you know, doing media buying, but also just more bigger picture consulting, um, which was also, that was awesome too, because all these brands that I was working with, like they were doing a lot of things outside of, you know, just paid media and creative and landing pages and like, you know, own media. And I was really eager to like, kind of dig into that stuff and, and they were like hey if you want to like if you want to get involved with CRO we're not going to say no if you want to be involved with influencer marketing we're not going to say no so got to you know further my understanding of a lot of other channels through that and then yeah I joined Hexclad after that at the beginning of this year full-time um, and I had met Hexclad through you know my agency experience so I've, I've been working on the brand for almost two years now but um, one year full-time amazing yeah I think it's uh yeah, good reminder for all marketers or anyone getting into marketing that you can really do it with just a laptop and start yeah. cutting your teeth and um, yeah, having that curiosity to just like pick up every rock and see what's under it, including yeah. CRO and 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 just kind of cutting your teeth on every single skill set. So that's awesome that, that well, you got I, that. And a lot of people like they're like, oh, you're 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 friends with a lot of people that you work with. I'm like. Yeah, I am. And I think that's because it's such an entrepreneurial space. And I think that like the entrepreneurial personality trait bleeds into like, like, like most people that have that personality trait, it bleeds into like all the assets of their lives. So like, yeah, the reason I'm like, like the reason you and I became friends 
it's like you and I have like we're like-minded in a lot of ways we have a lot of similar hobbies and interests and we view things similar and I feel that way about a lot of a lot of people in this space so it's, it's been very cool because of that I don't think there's another space that I could be in that I'd be like well I work with a lot of these people but I'm also like I would hang out with this person even if I totally. if they were never an e-commerce person yeah yeah I think Jason um the the president of Hexod said it really well uh it's like an uh obsessive mindset or or um you know it's just a bunch of really passionate people that are really willing to go deep on on any one topic so yeah um yeah definitely a commonality there um so you know this is obviously a data-driven podcast um i always like to ask the first question is how data-driven would you say hexcloud is oh god everything we're very data-driven i mean everything we do is based in our in the unit economics of our business like that's the first thing I check on Monday morning. It's the last thing I check on Friday afternoon is like, where's our revenue and what's, what's, where's it trending over time? Um, where's our MER and where's it trending? Where's our AMER and where's it trending? Where's our CAC and where's it trending? Um, and ultimately the reason I care about those metrics is because I know, like if I, I know at our revenue and our MER goals, exactly where our EBITDA margin is going to be like plus or minus three percentage points. And that's because our finance and our marketing teams are so um, in lockstep. So like we have a 5X MER goal this year that is purely based off of the EBITDA margin we want to see on the P&L at the end of the year. So like we've been actually operating under that goal for like three months now, knowing that we're going to hit it in the back end of the year on a 12 month look back. But like every single decision we make is rooted in that that uh, that MER goal, which is ultimately rooted in our EBITDA margin goal. Amazing. Um, how do you guys uh, keep that front of mind. Is there like a billboard? Do you guys like have KPIs that kind of like roll up to that five X? Um, how, how do you like keep that front of mind and, and have that as like a North yeah. star? I mean, I'm constantly hammering that home with my team, right? Like yeah. we have, you know, we now have like directors and managers and some coordinators in in our different verticals of growth. And I'm constantly reminding folks of like what we're working towards. And that's actually something that I want to do you know, we really built out the team internally this year. Now headed into 24, I'm thinking about like, how can I set goals for, let's just say my director of affiliate, for example, that ladders into our overall like growth goals. So that's something I'm going to like level up to this year, but like constantly hammering that home. We have a daily metrics tracker that gets updated daily. Um, and that is looking at, that's even, that's looking at even more of a contribution margin, right? So that's not only looking at like, total sales and spend, but that's also looking at cost of goods, shipping fees, transaction fees, um, a few other variables that we're taking out of that top line revenue number to even boil it down to a contribution margin. And like everyone knows that's the source of truth. Like within the growth team, if anyone wants to go and see where we're at for the day, the month, the week, the year, it's the daily metrics tracker. Like that's the one, and it's just a spreadsheet um, that we that we do it like some automated um, data pulls from daily. So. It you know just really having those tools and like reiterating to people like hey how are we doing how's performance like I don't even send them an answer I just send them a link to that to like condition people it's like this is the source of truth like at the end of the day like this is the most important um, thing for me to be tracking and it should be the most important for everyone in the growth team to be tracking certainly yeah yeah it's a good reminder to to keep that front of mind. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. I, I uh, mm-hmm. for the for anyone listening, um, Connor hasn't heard me ask this question yet. What is the most transformational data driven decision you've made, and how did you go about getting to that decision? What hypothesis did you make, mm-hmm. and and what were the re- results kind of coming out of that? 
I, I would say our probably our hero acquisition offer product. I think like us deciding to push that product over all other products has definitely made us a more profitable and faster growing business. Not only do we get the most contribution margin on the first order, but we're also getting the best 12 month and just overall lifetime LTV from that product. Really for us, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of evaluating performance from a blended uh, perspective. So all of our funnels, they're built around certain product offerings, right? Like you won't see, at least not in Facebook, um, for the most part, maybe there might be a, there might be a case here and there where that's not the case because we might have like an ad that's more general, right? Like if it's overviewing a bunch of products, we might drop someone on the homepage, but for the most part, our, our funnels are built around product offering. So as it pertains to the 13 piece set and how we overall analyze blended performance in general, I'm always looking at how much did we spend in on, on like a, a funnel pushing that offer, divide that by the number of first time orders on that product to back into a CAC. So that's step one is like, what's our blended CAC? Then B, I know roughly what our like average cost, like pre-ad cost costs. This is all cost baked in, right? Content cost. We average it out just so we can have a way to model profitability for these things. So multiply by the cost, subtract that from the order value, subtract the blended CAC equals your, your first order contribution margin. That's step one. Then I'm going into, we have, we use a CDP called Decile. And I know like that the 13 piece set also nets us the best 12 month, you know, net dollars value. And, and really that's the approach we take with every single like acquisition offer that we roll out. And I would say that like understanding that 13 piece set from that angle has probably been the biggest unlock for our business because we have scaled that, that first or like, and I say offer, like anything's an offer, right? Like it's not, it's not just that we're like pushing like a dollar percent off. It's like the, the entire thing's the offer, the product the price positioning, the value props, it's all the offer. But like having that 13 piece set is our like core scaled offer is it's been a huge unlock for our business. Like when I came into the business uh, beginning of 2022, most of it was very general um, mm. in terms of like more general value prop ads landing on the homepage. I was, I realized I looked in Shopify and was realizing that the vast majority of folks were buying the 13 piece set. So one of the first things I did in the account when I was actually pushing the buttons was like, I just built more funnels around the 13 piece set directly and like our in-platform performance skyrocketed. And, and the more we analyzed it, the, the better it looked. So I think that's probably been the biggest unlock, at least in terms of acquisition this year. Yeah. So initially in 2022, it was, it was like the, uh, I love looking at the, the first versus returning customer report in Shopify. It's one of my, the reports I pull the most. So. I, I, I was looking at that report and then adding in like a product name filter. It became so abundantly clear that, you know, I can't, this is a guess on the percentage. This is a while back, like 85% probably of our first time orders were on the 13 piece set. So that was, that was piece number one. Um, data point number two, all of our, so I talked about like pulling blended metrics. We, all of our ad names are organized by the product we're pushing. So I can very quickly go into Facebook, search, you know, quote 13 PC, and it's going to aggregate all the spend I'm putting into my 13 piece set ads. And then that, and then, and then using the same report I just mentioned to understand the number of first time orders that have that product. So that's how I get that blended CAC. Um, and then Decile, uh, our CDP that we use, I use that to say, all right, give me all the first time orders that 
came in on the 13 piece out for whatever time range and tell me the first time the the first time order aov on that and then also tell me the you know whatever time window ltv on that so then i can understand all right well like i now know my blundy cac so i need to know first time order aov to get that contribution margin and then same same idea with like a 12 month contribution margin so i'd say those are like the core data points you know we did the same thing with our pepper grinder recently like mm. we're like hey what because we want to become we don't want to just be a pots and pans brand right like we want to be a kitchenware brand and i'm of the belief that yes it's great we, we're always going to try to sell you know our accessory products to people that have already come into our brand on our cookware for the first order but i'm of the belief that the only way we're really going to become a kitchenware brand is if we actually start to bring people in on non-cookware products right like if we can bring people in on the hex mail and they're like holy crap you like you got like they know hex hex uh hex that as this like pepper grinder brand like that's how we really become a big kitchenware brand so it's really the same approach with with that like we ran some funnels on it just to test it out in q1 and what i found is that like when i took the aov and i subtracted out the the, the summarized costs and then i subtracted out the blended cac like were we as profitable on the 13 as we were on the pepper grinder funnels as the 13 piece set no but were we profitable yeah so like that was a huge finding for us is that like we can acquire people profitably on on non-cookware products and so that's going to be a big focus of mine headed into q1 q2 is like how can I, can I crack profitable funnels on the pepper grinder or more profitable cutting boards, knives, all of it. Right. And then using that same approach of like blended CAC first order AOV 12 month LTV, and then like backing out into, you know, profit contribution margins for those different lenses. Totally. Yeah. And it, it makes sense psychologically too. Like, I, I mean, now that I've got, the pepper grinder, the knives, the like, uh, you know, the bowls with the airproof lid on it. And yeah. then obviously the, the pans, it's like, I think, uh, as soon as you start to invest in your kitchen, um, it's kind of like a beginning to that journey. And, um, yeah. like now I'm like almost like a micro influencer for you guys. Like I was just camping this weekend and yeah. whipped out Let's the go. pan, uh, you know, I had the, uh, I had two bowls uh, with like a bunch of like like leftovers from the fridge, and um, everyone was like, "Oh shit, what is that like uh, pan from?" And of course, like, well, it's very it's cuts, very catchy, so. man. It's very like the the mark the the marketing's built into the design. Um, also, like our LTV is going to look way better if we bring someone in on a two hundred dollar product than it is if we totally. bring someone in on a seven hundred dollar product. So I think that's another another good reason to start acquiring people on on these other products. But um yeah, we're gonna be doing a lot of testing. But again, it's like I don't really even care. Like if I launch a pepper like a batch of pepper grinder ads and the one day click row ads on those pepper grinder ads is thirty percent lower than like the one day click on our thirteen piece set ads like I really don't care as long as like net net we are the first time orders on those pepper grinder products are profitable and then i will use the in-platform data to optimize right like okay well this adds at a 0.8x one day click pepper grinder but this other pepper grinder adds only at a 0.55 okay well i'm gonna like invest more into that higher one day but it's all relative like that's just in platform like optimizing the ads like it could be at up to one day click row as and if the overall funnel from a blended pov is profitable then great like it doesn't really matter certainly um awesome yeah going back to to that hero product that 13 piece set um obviously that's like a, a big move for you guys to like focus your entire funnel on that did you experience any roadblocks internally as you were kind of moving in that direction 
Um, and if so, like, how, how did you kind of overcome that? I mean, not, not really. Cause the nice part about our 13 piece set is like, we can put a, we don't need to like call out the 13 piece set in the ad necessarily we do. And like that works for yeah. us, but I can run an ad that's like very general pot pan value props focus, and then just redirect it to the 13 piece set landing page. So, mm. and, and that's like how most of our creative was like, like when we weren't directing people to 13 piece set product pages or landing pages, we were still running these ads that were very cookware oriented and value. So it was really just about creating, you know, post click experiences that were congruent with what we saw people were organically doing already. And like, it's just a more consolidated approach, right? It's like, all right, should we make someone click on sets, then click in a 13 piece set product page, then click add to cart? Or should we drop someone right on a landing page, pushing the 13 piece set that reader? It's like, it's just like the, you know, we just, we just figured this out with our, with our product page redesign test. Like we just, if you guys go, if you like, you know, incognito our 13 piece set, you might see a new version of our product page that we saw like 11% lift on. The only difference is like, we added collapsible and expandable sections to make a much mm. more choose your own journey, much more consolidated approach. It's the same thing here, right? Like, it's just like, let's get people to the product. We already know they want quicker and without doing less friction. So it really wasn't that hard because of that, because we already had the creative for it. it the hard part was like building, not even hard part, just the time, the part that took some time and energy and thought was like, okay, let's build some post-click destinations for this because we want to test product page versus landing page. And what we find actually is that our product page and our like landing pages perform pretty similarly. So we're not one of those brands where it's like, we see a huge drop off by dropping someone on a landing page versus a product page, which makes things a little mm -hmm. bit easier for us. Like even during sale periods, we drop our, our collection page is our best performing destination, not a landing page, which I like because it's a lot less work for every sale we run. Um, but yeah, it was really just about making that experience more more seamless and more to the point. That makes sense. Um, cool. I know you and I have talked about uh, data and personalization as well, and um, just love to kind of hear your perspective on personalization and and maybe some examples of how you're using data uh, to drive yeah. that. So we are, it's something we don't do well enough, in my opinion, yet. But I, you know, and I think you agree. I think a lot of people agree with this. I think as we hit scale, the way that we like really create a brand moat. Hey Connor, I think you, you cut off there, like maybe 20, like right at the beginning yeah. of your, your answer. Do you want okay. to just restart? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks man. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Good. Okay. I think, I think it's not, it's not something we do well enough yet. Um, but it's going to be a big focus of mine in 2024 because I think as we hit scale and as a lot of brands hit scale, like the way that you can build like a brand mode, and start doing things that a lot of brands can't do is like becoming as personalized as possible. So, you know, some of like the ideas I have, and I think we, we've talked about some of this stuff is like upfront, whether that's in like the pop-up or whether that's in like the welcome series, like you can use tools now like Spellbound, like interactive emails to like capture this customer data. Like what kind of food are, are you eating? Um, are you eating like proteins? Are you eating more? Are you a vegan? Are you a vegetarian? Cause I'm not going to show a searing steak to someone that doesn't eat meat. Like they're never going to buy from Hexcloud if that's the case. So like, I want to figure out ways to ca capture this information. Like that's one, like who are you cooking for family versus yourself? Like the content we should show to that person is totally different. Like we're all like the 13 piece set is so versatile. You can use it for everything. If you're saying you're cooking for family every day, 
like we're going to show you a ton of like versatility driven content. Whereas if you're not, we're not going to probably push a 13 piece set onto you. We might push a starter bundle onto you that has like your core pot and pans. So my goal is to like start capturing this information in like the pop-up and in our welcome flow and in like one-off surveys and then funnel these people into different automations or like even giving them different campaign experiences. Like we're going to find, like, I'm sure we'll find like four or five buckets of things that like really stand out in terms of like commonalities between our core customers. Um, and like, just give them personalized content that, that is more unique to them. You know, something we're asking people now is on our post-purchase survey is like, how often are you grilling? How often are you baking? Mm -hmm. What kind of things are you baking? Mm -hmm. If you are baking and this is first and foremost for like our, our product team, right? Like, should we make a new grilling spatula next or should we go make a cookie sheet? Um, however, like once we roll those products out, like, dude, we're going to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of responses of people that told us they want these things and they're baking five times a month or they're grilling three times a week. Right. So like, totally. just like capture, like thinking about how can, like, how can I build qualified people at the end of the day? Like we always send out these teaser campaigns now. And this was an idea I had in the middle of the year. I was like, well, what would the lift be? from someone that visited this teaser landing page. That's really just like all about the new product, like beautiful imagery copy that's mm -hmm. explaining it. And the use cases, sometimes videos, even like our double burner griddle, we had a pretty sick video on it. And I was like, well, what, what would the lift be? And we tested the, the set. We, when the product went live, we separated that segment out and tested that versus like our evergreen segment that we always send new product drops to. And there was like a massive increase in revenue per recipient from baseline on that list. So it's like constantly thinking of like, how can we build like, super high intent um list of people for a variety of things and like that's how you do it like you 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 filter people you give people an option to show you what they're interested in and then you send those people super curated content and like the performance is always going to be way better on that no matter what so it's like but you have to think ahead of time right like you have to be thinking like what am i going to do down the road that i should be asking mm -hmm. someone about now and that's like the double burner griddle. It's like, okay, well, I know I want to sell people this double burner griddle three months from now. Well, maybe in the three months leading up to it, I send them like three different like teaser campaigns. And I know that we're going to get a huge lift from people that engage with that. Same thing with like asking someone if they're cooking for themselves or their family. Same thing if asking someone if they like love steak or if they only eat vegetables. Like we're going to see a lift if we show someone sauteing a bunch of veggies in a walk if they say they're a vegan compared to showing that person like it's a no, it's no brainer, right? It's, it's very obvious, but like you, it does require some like forward thinking about like what you're planning to do and how like building intent can lead into what you're planning to do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as you guys continue to acquire more and more customers, the personalization is going to just become like a super key part of that strategy. Well, right? it's a, it's a brand moat, man. Like a lot of people aren't thinking, cause like, it takes work and it's, it's complicated. It makes things more convoluted, but like, it's, it's like Ridge wallet. Like no one's doing a Ford Bronco giveaway. No one's doing totally. that. Like, and that's totally. like not an easy thing to set up. Like they have built a total brand moat um, by doing that. Like I look at the personalization stuff as the same thing. Like if we could have a different welcome flow for someone that says they're only cooking for themselves versus someone that says they're cooking for their family, like that's a moat that most brands aren't, aren't going to do and it's going to make us stand out in a major way certainly um awesome well thank you so much for taking the time i know we're uh 
bumping up against time just for everyone yeah. to try to find you. How can they find you online? Yeah, I'm just ecom underscore con c o n on Twitter, or if you just search my name, Connor Rolane. Um, that's where I put most of my like tactical, um, you know, kind of in the weedsy type, uh, you know, marketing, growth marketing information. So yeah, it's the best spot. Shoot me a DM. I'm always down to jam with other other smart, talented marketers. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Connor. Cool, brother. Peace. Thank you. Appreciate you.